listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Craig's right. I'm, I was meant to be preaching this morning, but my lung capacity is at a bit of a challenge. And uh, so we decided it would be awesome to do it together and just uh, take some time to look at this subject of no filter. And uh, how, how we build authentic, genuine lives in a world that wants us to portray perfection. Right. And it's, you know, we can so easily uh, come into environments like this, even, uh, you know, see something like this where, um, you know, Craig's honouring me. It's fantastic. It can all look so perfect. We can often come into a church environment and it looks so perfect. But the reality is often so different. You know, it was funny even coming here this morning. I, um, I spilt makeup over my lap completely, all this foundation. And so Craig's like vacuuming me up before, <laughs> before the service began. And you know, like you look and you think, oh, well, they've got it all together. We so haven't. And um, <laughs> it was quite fun. <laughs> Vacuum cleaner all over my dress. Trying to pull them out. Come on out. <laughs> If only it was that easy. <laughs> but, but, you know, you live in this tension of often what we portray is so different to the reality. And uh, so we wanted to open up this, uh, this time together today by just showing a few clips um, of how what we see, especially on social media, especially on TV, uh, can be so different to the reality of actually what it took to get there. So why don't you enjoy this? I better tell you before you get close ah. If you want to stick around oh. Can you take me? I got That, that just so uh, showed the essence of what you often see is completely different to uh, the reality of, of getting that out, uh, that take. But, you know, I, I love that we serve a God that wants who we are. Yes. 
every part of us, the yeah. genuine us, the authentic us. He doesn't want the act. He doesn't want what we just post on social media, what we want the world to see. Right. He wants all of us. And yeah. I love what 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, Great. a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. And, you know, we live in this tension of society today where there is this pressure to portray perfection, to reach perfection. But we actually have a God that wants our genuine faith, that wants this alignment between our heart and what we actually live out. And I I love that the, the word genuine, it means not counterfeit, authentic, real, free from pretense, affect, uh, hypocrisy, and sincere. And and God or often in the Bible talks about how he's looking for our inward, our heart, yeah. not our outer. Yeah. You know, one Samuel perfectly portrays this when uh, this prophet Samuel is choosing someone to be king and God says to him, I don't look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Right. I'm interested in what is going on in somebody internally because what we go through internally impacts everything else. Yeah. But what we find today is we, you know, we can spend so much time focusing on our outward appearance rather than actually focusing inwardly. Mm-hmm. And what, good was, what change to, does God want to bring in me inwardly? And you think about it every day, how often do we spend taking time to change our outward appearance, making right. sure our hair's done, we're dressing right, maybe going to the gym, all those things are great. But how much time do we invest into our outer compared to our inner? You know, how much time do we invest into what is just going to be temporary rather than the internal, like what God actually wants to speak to us, actually reading the Bible, renewing our mind, actually taking time to pray, allowing Him to speak to us. You know, how much are we weighing the importance of our internal world? Because what God says matters is what is going on in our heart. And God wants us to have this alignment between what others see and what's really going on in our internal world. And you see this passion of Jesus, this tension of Jesus in this regard, especially with the Pharisee leaders uh, in the New Testament. It's the one thing that Jesus cannot stand is pretense, is people trying to be something that they're not or trying to be religious, trying to have it all together. And because of that, others looking at them and going, well, I haven't got it all together, so there's no chance for me. It's the thing that irritates Jesus the most. I mean, he gets some people's space about it. We see it uh, with the example of uh, in Matthew 15 in the message version. And Jesus says to uh, the religious leaders in terms of honoring your mother and father, he says, God says clearly, respect your father and mother. But you weasel around that by saying, whoever wants to can say to the Father, matter what I owed you, I've given to God. Jesus said this can hardly be called respecting a parent. You cancel God's command by your own rules. Frauds. Israel's prophecy of you hit the bullseye. These people make a big show of saying the right things, but their heart isn't in it. And that's so challenging that God actually in everything we say, that it's not lip service, but our heart is in this. And that's the essence of what we wanted to talk about today is that we would live lives, our heart is connected to our faith, that there's this genuine, authentic, real relationship that we are living with our God. So, I think for us, it's it's something that we've been so intentional about as a church. Um, It's been so encouraging to say, 
as I've met people and people to say, man, I just I feel like it's just so real here. Uh, you know, I feel like everyone's just so genuine. Everyone's so authentic. Like there's not this expectation that we need to create a facade, create a persona that's going to then allow me to fit in. And, you know, I, I really love that. Real, you know, come on, as a church, come as you are. It's not just a catchphrase. No, it's actually a, it's a real deal. Like come as you are. Come on the mountaintop. Come in the valley below. Come in the ordained mundane. Just come as you are. You know, I love that. Genuine. We actually honestly like people. No, like I really do. Like it's really awesome meeting people and, and like getting to talk to them and getting to know them and then getting to go, wow, you'd like this person. Come meet this. Like that's not actually a chore. Some people go, oh, I have to meet people. No, we actually don't think that. We think like, how awesome is this? We get to do life with people. What a privilege. Authentic. We're not here to tick a box. Come on, we're not here trying to meet a religious requirement. I love what Brendan brought in worship. Come on here, guys. We're not trying to get through a song. I feel like there's mountains that God didn't be able to tell you. He's above that. Come on, and then worship is about extending our heart to God and allowing Him to meet us where we are. And honestly, I think it's amazing. But this really is something that we have to protect because it isn't about a stage presentation. This is about a DNA that we carry. It's a DNA that we have in this house that, that life carries whatever campus you're in and many churches carry, but you have to protect it, right? Like, because who knows, it doesn't take long before maybe we come in as we are, but then all of a sudden we feel like we've got to act some other way. Oh, hang on, I've gone from being in a challenging season. Now I'm in a place of strength. Oh, hang on, I'm going into a challenging season again. Well, I can't show that I'm challenging. I should be above that by now. We shouldn't be having these issues in our home. I shouldn't be in this place of despair. Just keep acting like it's all good. Keep coming and being like everything's okay. But no, no. If we're going to create a place that's genuine, authentic, that's real, then we actually have to keep telling ourselves, stop pretending. <laughs> stop pretending. <laughs> stop pretending. Stop putting up the facade. Romans 12, 2 says, come on, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to it. Conformity isn't something that just happens. Conformity is something that gradually starts to take place. It's a gradual thing. It's slowly after surely we feel like we've got a mask. Surely after surely we feel like, oh, we can't actually say that. I can't be that. And we start to mask ourselves, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, that we would, I'd say it like this, that we would remain real. <laughs> that we would remain real. Come on, if we want to live genuine, authentic, and re remain real, then don't get caught up in the world's ways. Come on, don't get caught up feeling like you've got to put a mask on, that you've got to present something that everyone else is going to admire too, that everyone else is going to, wow, look at them. I don't want a wow, look at them from other people. <laughs> I want a good and faithful servant from the one who really matters. You know, I was thinking about this. Who knows, like you take a photo on your phone and maybe if you're on Instagram or something like that and you start adding different filters to try and like make it better than it actually was. You know, like, oh man, the light's not quite right. Don't worry, I've got a filter for that. And uh, a little sharper, uh, a little bit more shadow, a little bit more this. And then, isn't it amazing how Instagram, then you can touch the photo and it goes back to what it was really like. Ever done that and gone and put all some filters on and then you go and touch the natural photo and you go, wow, it looked actually so much better before I tried to make it something it wasn't. I think God's like that with our lives. We think we're making it look really good, but if he just puts his finger and goes, you know what, the real you is actually so much better, so much better than what you're trying to make it out to be. Just give me the natural. Give me the natural. One of the things I loved about meeting Nadia when we first met, she was a country pumpkin. And, um, and the time you wore makeup was just for your formal. And gosh, her natural beauty was off the chart. It was just... Amazing. So, how to build a genuine and authentic life in a world that wants us to portray perfection. Number one, uh, and a couple of points from us today, but number one is value 
what's beyond the superficial. Value what's beyond the superficial. You know, the world would put it like this. As long as you look like you're living it, it doesn't matter if you're internally losing it. It doesn't matter if your life's a mess, but as long as everybody looks like it's all good, then that's, you've got it. You're doing it. Keep going. You, that's success. You'll be happy. You're going to find fulfillment. Success will come your way. You're going to be real satisfied because everyone's going to be liking. You're getting double taps from everywhere. Oh, look at all the friends that you don't know. Like, like have you ever been discouraged by the fact that you look at how many followers and then you look at how many likes? And you might go, wow, I got 100 likes. Have you ever realized you probably got 2,000 followers? Which tells you that maybe only 5% of the people who like you don't even like your picture. <clears throat> Sorry to burst that bubble if you've been living in that world. But the Bible says that, um, you know, and we know this to be true. We're made up body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And I remember getting a card from a loved one, um, not someone of faith, uh, yet, but they wrote in this card, they said, I think it was, I was turning 28 or so, and they said, make sure you look after yourself, body, soul, and spirit, and in that order. And, uh, and an interesting line, interesting kind of, I guess, uh, you know, pre- like, you know, point of focus. Um, but I think the world is, is busy, busy trying to settle their spirit by looking after their body. We're busy, we're busy trying to chase a, a strong body so that we could get a settled spirit. And the truth is, is our spirits will never be satisfied regardless of how strong you're looking on the outside. Ever notice how the, the fitness phenomenon around the world is going crazier than ever before? As if like, if we can just get ripped, then everything else is going to get right. If we, can, if we can just get someone going, wow, I wish I had the abs you have. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many packs you got. <laughs> Your spirit's not going to get stronger just because you've got an eight pack. Like the, the, the body can never satisfy the spirit. See, the, the world will say body, soul, and spirit, but, but God in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 says the order is actually spirit, soul, then body. Yeah. Stop trying to get the body worked out. The body can flow in after. Let's get the spirit worked out. You get a strong, healthy yeah. spirit. Come on, you're going to get a satisfied soul. Come on, and then you're going to have strength in your body. You're going to have strength in the life you live. You're going to have strength in the decisions you make. Come on, we've got to get over this. You know, like people get a haircut and they go, fresh cut, fresh start. Have you ever seen that? Oh, I got a new job, new life. No, you didn't. You just got a new job. Your hair's going to grow back in three weeks and someone's going to charge you 70 bucks to cut it again. Like, you're still the same you. Yet we think, oh, if we can change that aspect, then that's a new us. It doesn't change us. Why? Because we're still the same. And what's crazy about fixing the body, everybody else can see it, but you're still looking through the same eyes. Still looking through the same place of not satisfied. Still looking from the same place of not feeling worthy. Still looking from the same place of not feeling like you've really got what you're supposed to have. Everybody else might be going, yeah, awesome, pump, pump, cool, cool, (laughs) whatever. But you're still going, why does it feel empty? Because that was never how God designed you to live. Come on. Everything else that isn't at a spirit level is just surface level. And everything that's surface level to a degree, really, is just superficial. Nadia said it, 1 Samuel 16, 6. Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely he's the anointed. Isn't it amazing that the prophet of God looked at the natural and said, wow. Come on, just because we're believers doesn't mean we don't look at other things and go, wow, surely that's what I need to have. Surely that's what I got to get. Surely that's the one. And God was speaking to the man of God saying, don't look at the outward appearance. Come on, that's, that's a note for us right there. 
And he says, come on, don't judge his outward appearance or his height. Then Jesse goes and gets someone else, which I'm trying to work out, was the next person the ugly duckling? Uh, you know, or is it, was it, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, but he says this, people judge the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There's still the youngest, Jesse replied. He's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. What was he doing? He was out busy with the father's business. Come on, you want God to release you into the next thing? Just get busy about the Father's business. Come on, you don't need to have a look in the family rank. You don't need to measure to the person next to you. You don't have to be as smart as the other person in the cubicle next to you for the, for the next promotion coming your way. Just get busy with the Father's business. Come on, you be trustworthy with that that's in your hand. Come on, he'll elevate you to another level. And then they get him and they go, wow, he's dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Man, I wish I was darker. Uh, and then the Lord said, hey, this is the anointed one. Come on, I wrote this. Come on, you are all that because Christ saw you and he said, I'll stand in the gap for you. He declared, I don't just like you, I love you. And he showed this to us, not because he started following us, because he laid down his life as an offering for us. Come on, he exchanged his perfection for my imperfection. And he declared, I choose you. Come on, others may overlook me, but he still chooses me. Others may laugh at me, but the love that he has for me chased me. So stop chasing empty praise and start living in amazing grace. (laughs) Come on, His grace is what sets our spirit alive, satisfies our soul and strengthens our body. And it's amazing how we can get this revelation. But again, as I said, over time we can fall. Over time we can make it about something else. Over time we lose sight of that. David, amazing, appointed, becomes king. Now he's got the people's opinion. He's got people's voices in his ear. Wow, you're amazing. All of a sudden, he falls into the natural. He falls into temptation. We understand he, he sleeps with Bathsheba. He kills the husband. That's, that's some pretty crazy gear. He goes to this level, this extent. Why? And what does he do? He comes back to the heart. And here he is in, in Psalms 51 having a conversation with the Lord. He says, Lord, I don't need you right now to fix everything around me. No, God, what I need you to do is create in me a pure heart. God, would you take it back to where it all began? Come on, isn't there the scripture? Lord, I've forsaken my first love. Would that again be my first thing? Oh God, renew, listen to this, a steadfast spirit within me. Come on, you're feeling weak in your body? Get a stronger spirit. Come on, you're feeling a little bit decaying in the outward things that you're doing right now? Don't try and just fix everything. Go after God, get a a purified heart. He said, do not cast me from your presence, Lord, or take your Holy Spirit from me. How good is that on Pentecost Sunday? Come on, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. I need more of your Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit isn't here to make me look better than somebody else. Come on, the Holy Spirit here is to make me better than me. (laughs) Come on, it's here to make me better than who I am in the natural. Restore to me this joy of salvation and grant in me a willing spirit that sustains me. I'm not sure if you saw the royal wedding last night. Uh, I kind of got dragged into it uh, initially. No, I honestly did. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bishop Michael Curry. Oh, in a hurry. He just gets up there, right? And he just starts dropping fire, right? He is just, you know, like, bam, bam, lit, lit. I'm just like, royal that, you know? Like, uh, he's just lighting the place up. And someone would go, wow, wow, isn't he amazing? Wasn't that his robes? Wasn't that his royal red cufflinks? Uh, it had nothing to do with his outward. It had everything to do with the spirit that was within him. Come on, that in a dry and weary environment, he's just bringing the reign of God talking about the love of Jesus. And I don't know about you, I don't need his clothes. I just want more of that spirit. Come on, we need more of that spirit. We need more of that in our lives. And then if the wardrobe comes with it, thank you, Jesus. He was definitely preaching better than they were responding. And, um, and it was amazing. It was amazing. You know, uh, our goal is not to be liked by everyone. 
Our goal is to love everyone. And in that, it's going to mean actually we're not going to be liked by everyone. Come on, you could tell in that room, not everyone liked Bishop. Not everyone was too pumped with what he was bringing. Come on, stop believing that you can live the fullness of God and be liked by everyone. But what you will carry cannot be ignored by everyone because it's something that draws them to God and doesn't draw them to yourself. And you might be here and saying, wow, I don't, I don't know this stuff. I don't, I don't know the reality of a healthy spirit. A healthy spirit comes out of a relationship with Jesus. And at the end of the service, we always give room every service for people to know God for themselves. And if you're in that place going, man, I, I don't know this. I'd say I'm, 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 I'm always chasing other people's acceptance. I want to tell you, you're accepted by God already. But to know that is to know a relationship with Him. And if you're in that place thinking about that, I want you to think about whether you're ready to open your heart to God. Open your heart to a relationship with God and a God who loves you and sees you and knows you, has a purpose for you. And at the end, if you're ready to respond, then I want you to respond with all your heart. Come on, and this will be a defining day for you to walk forward, which would be awesome. But let's get to point number two. Awesome. So point number two is honesty that honors me. Honesty that honors me, you know, having a clean heart coming from this place of a genuine, authentic relationship with God, it all comes back to our heart. Are we being honest with what's really going on in our lives? Yeah. You know, are we being honest with others? Pastor Craig, a few weeks ago, brought this verse, James 5 verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So and I love that, that, that rawness of honesty with each other that actually brings us freedom. Yeah. Now, I grew up in an environment where we were forced to talk. I love that about my parents. They were from very broken backgrounds. And so they wanted to make sure that they raised a really healthy family. I remember a counsellor saying to Dad, I've never met somebody with such a broken past that has raised such a healthy family. And honestly, I would say the one thing that mum and dad did was everything was talked about. Yeah. I remember them sitting on the end of my bed going, honey, we know something's up. Would you talk about it? And I think that that health just uh, set us up for such a win. And we're doing it with our kids today. You had to do it with Zai yesterday. You know, buddy, there's something going on. What's up? And just keep going until he actually opened up and talked about what was really going. And it's amazing what unravels. And then the freedom that comes from that. Um, so we've got to keep pressing for that honesty. And, yeah. But honesty can either be done in a way that's detrimental for us right. or in a way that really sets us up for freedom. You know, you see sometimes people just blare their stuff to the entire world. You know, on Facebook maybe or in a group environment, just blare their stuff. And you think to yourself in that moment, you know, dude, that wasn't the right way to do it. Because you get sympathy from that, and that sympathy can actually hold you in that place wow. rather than doing it in a right environment with the right people that will actually help you move from it and help set you up for when our honesty needs to be in the right environment yeah. with people that love you, that are going to keep things confidential, that aren't just going to go talking about it to everybody, right. and also people that are going to say stuff that you may not want to hear. Now, people that are going to be like, man, you've got to get that attitude right. That perspective isn't right. Look at everything else you could be grateful for rather than focusing on this point. Yeah. You know, we've got to do it with the right people in the right environment and in the right way. So good. And I think the other challenge with honesty is that we think it, it means that we need to be honest with our feelings all the time and in every environment. Yeah. You know, the sense of, well, if I just pretend... Like everything is okay, maybe when I come to church, maybe when I'm at work, I'm, the sense of I'm kind of being fake. 
But we've got to make sure that honesty doesn't mean that our feelings also rule us in every environment. And there's this difficult balance of, again, being honest in the right environment, not honest everywhere we go, because we don't want that negative feeling, those feelings to rule us. I mean, an example of this is, I remember nine years ago when Zion was born, and it was a very uh, hard time when he uh, was first born for me. I went from this place of working full-time, being very independent, very focused on what I wanted to do with life. And then all of a sudden, this child who you absolutely love and adore comes into your world and life has just changed forever. And it just felt to me in that season like I was going to be home forever. I was just going to be doing constant washing, hardly get any sleep, a couple of hours sleep a night. You're so emotional. You've just been through labor, all these emotions going through you. You know, you, you think you're, you're setting yourself up for a win because you get up at five o'clock to do your hair for church and then arrive at church and realize you've got poo underneath your finger now. It looks like you've had a French manicure that's brown. But you just got, <laughs> it's the reality of it. But there's all this stuff going on. And I remember in that season finding it really challenging, but obviously really loving it as well because you're so in love with your son you know, you're so in, in love with this privilege of what God's given you. And I remember to this, this young girl saying to me in that moment, man, you just look so happy. You know, you just look like this is your happy place. You're singing all the time. You're loving it. And I just remember thinking to myself in that moment, wow, that's awesome. But the reality, the extent of the reality is so different. But the right way to handle that situation isn't to sit her down and say, well, honey, let me tell you what it's really like. You know, let me tell you the reality of it. No, because I don't want that feeling to dictate who I'm going to be in the future. No, that's just right. a season I'm walking through, and I'm not going to carry that into every environment. So being pregnant right now, yes, there's times you're tired, you're sore, but actually I'm going to choose that I don't want that to rob me in this current season that God wants to do, wants me to walk through and what God wants to do through me in this season. So it's all about attitude and perspective. Right. So I need an environment where I can be honest with good friends and vent. I need that, but that environment doesn't need to be all the time. So this tension of not faking it, but being real in the right environment, I think is really important. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's good. See, over to you, babe. It's good. Take a <laughs> breath, darling. That was really good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this the other week, is, is Jesus modeled this to us. He loved everybody. He was on mission with many. He did life with a handful but he fought the fight with a few. Isn't it amazing that in the garden, he says, my heart is troubled, my soul is troubled. He's revealing the inner depths of what he's going through to others. And if Jesus, the son of God, needs to reveal to the close ones his, and bear his soul, the burden that he was carrying, come on, that tells us that we've got to do the same. Come on, you can't just shut it up, but nor can you shout it out to everybody. There's got to be that healthy environment. Uh, it's... It's awesome. Uh, you know, in Matthew 26, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. That's full on. But here he is with three others saying, come on, I need your faith. I need your faith right now to help carry me through. Come on, if we can engage the faith from a few, we will, it will keep us engaged in a life lived for all. If we can engage the faith of a few, then it will keep us engaged 
and a life lived for all. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life for all. Number three is acceptance of self over the approval of others. I think this is massive today. You know, I think we live in a society that is all about gaining approval of people, of gaining likes, and it can be very easy for us to fall in the trap of that's what drives us in life today. Like, again, most of us probably will be on Instagram and and Facebook, and, you know, it's what the social etiquette is, is that it's, it's about getting the likes, and it's about liking other's stuff, but it's not socially acceptable to like your own stuff. You know, if you accidentally tap on your own photo. Does anybody double tap their own stuff? Yeah. Uh, you accidentally tap on your own photo and I'm like, like it. And I'm a big like... fan of that. I liked it enough to put it up there. Why can't I now like her? But it's socially not etiquette. Like, if you do it, you're like, untap, untap, undo before anybody sees that I like my own photo. You know, even you've got to be conscious of how you do selfies because you don't just put a selfie up because, hey, I like myself. You put a selfie up and you've got to give another kind of spin to it so you do, it doesn't seem like you're just trying to get the likes. Like, hey, I just had a fresh haircut. My hairdresser is so awesome. But you're doing it just for the likes. Now so, we know. <laughs> Look out for that comment, everybody. <laughs> so See, funny. It, it's, it's obviously something we live in and it's not wrong. But how much do the likes matter to us is the point. Totally. Because from a young age, we can get caught in this trap of actually who we are is all about what gets the approval of others. Mm. You know, we make choices how we dress based on what people think. How often do we choose an outfit and go, I wonder what the reaction is that I'd get from others by wearing this? You know, maybe with our careers, we get into a certain career because there's a social status around it. We choose a car, we choose a house based on what others will think of us. And it can be something so powerful in what drives us in life. And, but what happens, it, it means that we can form rather than really discover who God has called us to be. Yeah. And all through the word, I see that God has called us to be different, not to conform. You know, with our kids, this is something that we are constantly saying to our kids. You know, we have tight boundaries, tight standards for our kids. And Zion and Hope will often say to us, well, why aren't I allowed to do that? Why am I not allowed to watch that movie? Why am I not allowed to go for that sleepover? And we'll say to them, you know, this is the reason why, buddy. We love you so much. We don't want you exposed to certain things. And, but then we'll also say, and you've got to get used to being different. Yeah. You are going to grow up different, bud. You are going to grow up. You've got to get used to it now because all through high school, you're going to be different. You're not going to swear like your friends swear. You're not going to drink like your friends will be drinking. You know, all these things, you are going to be different. Hope's never going to date like nobody else ever dates. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we've got it. We say it to our kids now. You've got to be used to being different. It's not about conforming. And we always say them every day. And when we pray for them, we say, you are leaders, you're not followers. And the sense of that's who God's called us to be. He's called us to lead the charge. He hasn't called us just to follow, to conform to the way of the world, but to actually lead the charge. And I love that about our God. And it's something that I've really had to personally battle with. I've always felt from the age of five, felt called to build God's house. I've just loved his church to be a leader in God's house. And but it, it's not always popular. I struggled with it, especially going through high school, you know, being a leader, making choices that weren't popular, that 
everyone else was doing and your popularity suffered because of it. But the sense of, you know what, if I'm going to go after what God has for me, it does mean a sacrifice of what other people are going to think. It means the sacrifice of the likes, but it's amazing. Acceptance of ourselves actually releases us into our God purpose for others. If we're just trying to be like everyone else, we're not going to go to that place that God wants us to go to where we actually see others released. And so this sense of it's so vitally important. I love what the bishop said last night, that scripture that he used, love your neighbor as yourself. We're never going to love people until we accept ourselves first and foremost. Now, I love the example of King David. He had such a healthy heart. He was the only person that God said, he is a man after my own heart. Most of the time he had a healthy heart. But the sense of he also had the strong esteem of himself. We see it in Psalm 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He had this healthy, this great acceptance of himself. He knew what he was called to. So much so that he went to the desert and didn't make himself be king. He waited for God's timing. He was incredibly secure and confident in who he was. And that's who God's called us to be as his kids, that we'd be confident and sure of ourselves and who he has asked us to be, not conforming to what the world wants us to be. So, Is that good? That's really good. Because the challenge with this is if we don't get this right, we're constantly in comparison. People have said to me, man, how do you do it? How do you do it when Nadia is such a gun? Man, she preaches better than you. Like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we're different styles and all that kind of stuff. But if you can't be comfortable in your own skin and realize what you bring to the table, come on, the picture's not complete when you're trying to be someone else's piece. <laughs> Just be your piece, you know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, and I don't say that out of being silly. I'm like, man, I, I'm stoked. Like, I, I love that. But I'm me. I'm me. Like, I'm different. My style's different, you know, like, and all that kind of stuff. And if you've got to realize, just be, look in the mirror and go, you know what, I'm okay with being me. Get over that, get into that and enable that. Otherwise, you are living with a fear of what others will think. We just live in fear of what others will think. And Abraham and Sarah went through a moment in their journey where they made a decision out of fear of what someone else would think. Do we know the story in Genesis 20 where Abraham and they're going through the region of Gerir and there is King Abilamech and they go and, and Abraham says, surely these guys don't fear God and so they will kill us. So what we would rather do assumption, uh, assumption they're going to kill us. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say that she's my sister. It's his wife. That's messed up. Um, but but what, what happens is, is when we're living in comparison, what happens when we're trying to please everybody else, we will sacrifice that which we value the most. He sacrifices his wife to become another man's wife for fear of what they would think. And he brings deception. You say, well, no, it was a white lie. <laughs> What is a white lie? It's something trying to safeguard yourself from somebody knowing the real, real truth of what's going on. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's such thing as called, there's an element of deception that you're bringing into it. And then God reveals to the king, whoa, you're a dead man because you've got another man's wife in your, in your vicinity. Now, they hadn't done anything. Amalek says, hey, it was of a pure heart that I did this. I had no idea that I took her as my wife. That was supposed to be his sister. And then the God gives grace to that moment. He then gets Abraham in the room and says, Abraham, what were you doing? And then he expresses that in verse 11, I think it is. He expresses, Abraham, I said to myself, there must be surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of her. 
The crazy thing is, is that we will distort the truth. We will give an element of truth, but we'll distort the truth. See, Abraham and Sarah were actually, they, had, they actually were related, which back in those days, again, it's all different. It's kind of crazy. Please don't give license to marry your sister. But they had the same dad, but different mums. And, and so here it is. It's, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll bring an element of the truth. I'll bring half truth and half pretend, half cover up to save my skin, to save my back. But the amazing thing is, is the deception comes in. And you know what? We think it just affects us, but actually it impacts others. Do you know a baronin fell over that land? No one could reproduce because of the deception that Abraham brought into the room. When we bring deception into a relationship, into a scenario, we think, oh, we're just covering ourselves. No, actually, we're crippling others. We're actually bringing something that can't be built upon, that can't reproduce. Pretty powerful. And what's amazing is that Abraham had just a chapter earlier received the promise from God that they would have the son Isaac. So here they are carrying the promise of God, and amidst the promise of God, they bring deception. We will forfeit the purpose and the call of God in our lives if we're going to live white-lied lives. Bring the truth into everything, for the truth sets us free. And so what's amazing is they bring the truth out into the forefront. Then the blessing comes on Abelamak and their thing, and all of a sudden they can have offspring. And the very next chapter, Isaac is born. I'm telling you, if you've got things in your life that you've got half truths, halves covered up, I just give them that much. I'll just give them that. But I'm telling you today, I'm praying that not out of condemnation, but conviction. God's saying, I've got a purpose on your life. Come on, there's things I want to do in others. But until we come to the forefront, come on and just be okay with being us. Come on, just bring us to the table. Just bring who you really are to the picture. I'm telling you, then God's not going to release his favor like he'd like to release his favor upon you and those who are attached to your world. Does that make sense? I know it's a pretty heavy way to land the plane. But I'm just saying, come on, we, we can't put, pretend out here. Come on, we can't make everybody smile, but at the same time, we live in a place of deceit. Come on, the purity of heart, the freedom of heart is that we are fully free to be us. I'm fully free to be me. You see, we started with the scripture and it says, come on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Hear this, his good, perfect and pleasing will. He has a perfect will for you and I. He has a perfect will for you and I. What is this perfect will? I believe it's three things. A, to be in a relationship with God. That's His perfect will. Starts right there. Have a relationship with God. What's the second part of that? Live in relationship with God. What about all the things I'm trying to get done, all the other bits? No, no, no. Just start with being in relationship with God. Live then in relationship with God. Don't you dare let it get to religion where it's all rules and regulations and rituals. Stay in relationship with God. And see, the third part of that perfect will is to live out of that relationship. Totally surrendered to Him daily, living in step with step with His Word. And out of that, we're gonna see God order our footsteps, order our ways. Come on, we're gonna see the world try and put things on you, but they're not gonna stick. You're gonna find yourself going leaps and bounds, going from level to level. Why? Because you live in relationship. Come on. You live out of that relationship and you're living in His will. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.